Shut up and sit down. Welcome to the Health and Wealth Podcast with your hosts, Tim and Carter. What's trending in Richards? Carter Wilcoxie, founder of CSI Financial Group here with my co-host and former wealth advisor, Tim James, founder of chemicalfreebody.com and your new health advisor. This is the show where we reveal the connection between physical and financial abundance. Hey, hello, Enrichers. Here we are again on the Health and Wealth podcast show. Very, very excited today about one of our guests. But before we bring on our esteemed guest, um, I am also joined by my famous, amazing, spectacular co-host, Mr. Tim James. Well, the way that intro was going, I thought you were going to talk about your wife for a minute. <laughs> you thought I was going to have a guest co-host, didn't you? You're a good husband, dude. Uh, He's always putting his wife up on a pedestal. That's a smart thing to do for a relationship, I think. But um, anyway, man, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to uh, uh, to chat with Miles, um, find out how he connected with you guys. And and um, I don't know, I'm just enjoying the summer. Um, I bought a uh, one of those enclosed trailers, like an eight and a half by twenty. Mm-hmm. So I'm putting all my stuff in it. I'm ordering. I'm getting ready for the big. Um, what do you call it? Fathom, uh, famine coming? <laughs> supply chain. There's actually supply chain delays, and we're seeing a lot of places. And then like um, other countries right now are already like running out of food. So there's like some major food issues with people. And so um, what I'm what I've, I've ordered thousands of pounds of nuts, seeds, grains, and beans. I've got half of them here. The other half are on the way. That's going to be my little storage container just, just in case. It's always good to have a backup, but I think, you know, what people don't, what, what this is really important. Uh, just it's timely is that, you know, if you're used to going to the grocery store and getting your food and then all of a sudden there's nothing at the grocery store, you're probably going to freak out, right? <laughs> because you don't understand the other options. Like I, I was lucky enough to grow up in Eastern Oregon out in the farm and out in the mountains and stuff. And I used to walk around when I was hunting and pick huckleberries and eat them. Or, you know, we pick merle mushrooms. The, the, the earth makes food for all other creatures and us. I mean, our food actually comes from the ground, right? Or a tree or a bush or whatever. And um, so what I would recommend is if you don't want to spend thousands of dollars and you're not really too freaked out about um, supply chain delays, which I think it's better to be prepared. As a financial advisor, I always told my clients, hey, we always prepare for the worst and then expect the best. I think it's a smart thing to do with your food too. So my word of advice is go spend five, six, seven, ten dollars at a used bookstore online or whatever and get a wild um, edible like food book for your area on how to fo- forage for wild edibles. Because at least if you have that book, if shit hits the fan, you can just crack the book and be like, oh, dandelions. I got those growing like crazy. I can eat those. Those are good for me. It's like, oh, red clover. That actually purifies the blood. I mean, how many people are having blood issues? Some of the most powerful foods are sitting out in your garbage or in your lawn and we think they're garbage and we're spraying, you know, oh, it's weeds. We got to kill them. Even, you know, dandelions are like one of the top six Chinese herbs. It's a bitter. So anyway, that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) What you're saying is you bought this um, container to put all kinds of stuff in. Yeah, food and ammo and you yeah. know stuff. I'm just like yeah. it's just my oh, it's my oh shit wagon now. <laughs> I, I love like that it. you love threw it. ammo in too. So not only eating in case anyone tries to come get your food, it's like no, this is not for you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Stay out of here. You, you got to be you got to be able to protect us. So well, we are joined today um, by one of my uh, closest newest friends. Uh, we happen to do business together 
And that's how a lot of times when we work with our financial advisors, we start out as, you know, doing business together, but we continue doing business because, you know, we like each other. And, you know, Miles Veth of the Veth Group is a CEO and founder. And I was speaking with him earlier in the week uh, or might have been even last week. And I go, man, Miles, we got to get you on the show on the Health and Wealth Podcast show so we can really get out the message on what it is that you're doing for CSI Financial Group and our advisors, um, you know, uh, eventually the advisors as well. But um, welcome to the show today, my man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I I'm honored. So, um, Miles, our audience, uh, our our listenership, the enrichers, as we call them, what we like to do here on the first segment is learn a little bit more about you. Now, I know you don't have a long history compared to a lot of our guests because most of our guests are the advisors we work with. You know, they're 50s, 60s, and, you know, they've got a, a storied past. Um, but I know you're fairly young, but you are an entrepreneur and you are hardworking. And I, I want to just kind of enlighten the enrichers and talk a little bit about how you got your start in like copywriting and, and what it was that really sort of drove you to start your own company. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So I, my dad's an entrepreneur, so I have had it in my blood for a long time to uh, like to build things from scratch. So when I was in college, I started a homeless mystery where we shipped 10,000 uh, clothing articles to the homeless of Chicago. And then when I got out of college, I worked at a large company and then ended up working in the family business and gradually realized I had a passion for marketing and I was more able to help the people I was calling on for IT services with growing their own businesses. Uh, and that led me down a path of uh, little by little. I met some of the right people. I uh, got introduced to Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, he helped me to strategize how to use LinkedIn. I started to put the word out on some of what I was doing. And then um, there's a Bible verse that's really simple. It says, in the abundance of counselors, there's safety. Uh, and what I have tried to do, uh, I can show you guys, is just surround myself with minds way brighter than my own all day long. Uh, and I, mean, I have more books that I could even show you here, but just to give you an idea, they're every day, they're everywhere. Just so, surround myself with people brighter than myself and learn, uh, learn things that have worked well. So one of those people has been Ray Dalio and just understanding how he's structured um, attacking a pretty complex and what I would call ambiguous problem of hedge fund investing, which I know you guys know a thing or two about. Uh, and I started to think about demand generation in the same way of the inputs and the costs and information and arbitrages and uh, like machine learning and testing. And then John Maxwell is someone who helped me understand that if someone can do something 80% as well as you, you should delegate it. And I learned if, if a computer can do it 80% as well as a human, you should automate it. And then I've just gradually applied those frameworks on different things to helping business owners uh, like you guys at CSI. And it's um, just been a huge blessing. I'm just so thankful that I've I've been given the opportunity by God. I just, yeah, couldn't be happier. Yeah. Awesome. So um, you are currently, you live in, on the East side of the world. Is that right? East coast? In the Northeast. Yes. Yeah. So um, it, you and I were just having a discussion just the other day. Um, and this kind of sort of goes back again, you know, you're, are you considered a millennial? Is that right? Uh, unfortunately, I think I do technically meet the classification. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, not all of the behaviors, but the classification of a millennial. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, well, you know, obviously there's a there's a there's a broad reach of um, you know, millennials on you know they're 
opposite ends of the spectrum, just like just like anybody. But I know that they tend to get a bad rap is why I wanted to talk about that. And, you know, um, I've gotten to know you personally. I've gotten to understand your work ethic and, you know, you deliver such amazing you know content and you do such a, an amazing job. I mean, the, the vet group has uh, was started how long ago and then, you know, from one employee to however many you got now, talk a little bit about, you know, the vet group and, and the formation of that. Uh, yeah, no, so thank you for the question. So uh, only three years old. So started it uh, in 2018 in the spring. So just over three years old. Uh, we've got about a hundred clients. Um, so we've two of the fortune 500 and 98 uh, businesses that aren't in the fortune 500, which uh, for me, I think serving small businesses is really a passion because that's what I grew up in with my dad. Um, and yeah, about 10 employees, um, and the, it's really been a simple goal for me. I think it's uh, Danny Meyer, someone I really admire, the restaurateur in New York City. And he's talked a lot about how if you take care of employees, they'll take care of customers. And I have the distinct privilege, uh, privilege of working with you every day, Carter, whereas you're not usually meeting my employees as much as you are me. Uh, for most of our customers, probably 95 of them, someone else is the face of Veth Group. And I think I've tried to learn if I take care of those employees uh, how that can create energy that will then positively flow to the customer. And if, if we first put our people first and then second say, how do we understand the needs of that customer? And I've sort of bucketized it in two folds. One of them is marketing results. Uh, and the other one is how we make people feel. And as just like you said, as financial advisors, I think it's really cool what you guys do at CSI because marketing is consumed partly as an emotional service, like everything, and partly as a logical rationalization of ROI. And I've learned that serving people requires both and following the customer's need. If I'm logically trying to make sure they make money off their marketing, uh, started out with automating email, it led to building brands, it led to starting a podcast, it's leading to qualifying first calls and training sales reps and um, gradually going down the funnels, up and down the funnels to create demand. And that's been uh, really, really fun. And then uh, we're a kind of explicitly Christian business. So we actually tithe 10% of the profit. Um, so that taking care of customers has led to uh, really being blessed with surplus that we've been able to actually distribute to people in need all around the world. So it's been just like really cool to see that hierarchy form. And uh, I don't, like you said, it's old fashioned hard work. I'm not a, I'm by no means some kind of savant who's you know, fixed marketing across the board, but I think hard work uh, tends to make you look smarter than you are. <laughs> well, you know, um, my, my, I guess we'll call him my mentor, the, the, the gentleman that brought me into this business in for those enrichers who know me and know my backstory, you know, what I'm talking about. Um, he used to have this saying all the time, and I'm sure you'll appreciate this. He used to tell me all the time, Carter, luck is spelled W-O-R-K. <laughs> right. The harder you work, the luckier you get. So, you know, it's been um, I, I'm sure it's it's the fruition of, you know, what's happened. And, you know, the fruits of your labor are, I guess, for, um, you know, manifesting itself whenever you are doing what it is you're doing. Now, by the way, I did not know that I get you uh, only five percent of your clients get you. I happen mm -hmm. to be one of the apparently the lucky ones. And I don't know what it was that happened when we first started our relationship. I know it's been close to a year when we first started having a conversation, I think. But um, 
you know, I, I feel blessed, honestly, to have you, especially knowing that the, the face of the vet group normally for 95 percent of your uh, clientele is not you. Yeah, I've, I've tried to learn to scale, but there, there's certain people I think, you know, you just have a feeling like they're one she, you should hold on to working with. And I remember when we stopped doing emailing together uh, when you didn't have a need for it, I called you and I was like, hey, I just want to do something for CSI. Like, what, what can I do? And uh, we came up with LinkedIn. And yeah, there's a few of those customers. I, I'd say you know 2% of them, probably one out of every 50, uh, where you meet them and you just say, I, I want to stay involved as if I was their employee. And that's been uh, something that's really been enjoyable. But I've learned the importance of learning to scale. Uh, and I don't think there's any service delivered better than that by a CEO in most cases. I hate to call myself a CEO at 10 people, but delivered by a person who's an entrepreneur because there's that caring for the baby. But uh, I have had to learn how to put some walls around myself at the same time. If you can't have a hundred people talking to you that way, or you, you'll, uh, you won't help any of them. Yeah. Well, I, you know, obviously as a CEO and founder of CSI Financial Group, I've had to do much of the same thing. And as much as I'd love to be able to work one-on-one -on -one with my advisors, you know, it's just, it becomes unscalable, right? And there's only so many, so much time in the day to be able to, to give, your attention and give the support, especially the ones who were the early adopters who came on with you and whenever you were just getting started. And, you know, I, I think of uh, a, a former guest on here, Scott Garcia, that uh, Tim James knows, you know, Scott was an early adopter. And, and honestly, truth be told, and I think he would even agree to this. I don't know what he would do without me. I don't know if he would be able to be like, uh, wait a second. So I know I get all these things, but I can't text Carter, you know, in the, you know, at six o'clock at night or, you know, a Saturday afternoon or whatever. And, and that's just the, the life in which he's grown accustomed. So I can appreciate scaling up, but there are certain individual, you know, advisors that we work with that right, wrong or different. I just, I just can't hand them over to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I think that uh, for me, like you guys have heard him talk about my faith. I think a lot of it, uh, I believe, you know, God in the form of the Holy Spirit will tug on your heart where it's uh, sometimes I just get a tug. Like I, I feel like this is someone I'm supposed to invest in. And I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs make the mistake of chasing money. So they, they think that money is this like end goal. That's so important. And then the way to make money, everyone tells you is stop doing any of the work because, you know, if you can just get other people to do it, that's scalable. And then, you know, there's a spread between the employee and what you charge. And, uh, and I think the mistake they make is they either stop being able to empathize with the employee because they're not doing their job anymore, or they stop really being able to empathize with the client because they're too far removed. Uh, and I think a lot of people make this mistake of, they take a big client and they say, I'm a CEO. I'm only going to focus on the huge clients. And I've taken the approach of, I'm going to focus on the people who I believe if I called them and said, I'm in a bind, how can I help your business? Cause I need work. Those people would always pick up the phone and actually care about my well being, Like I want to care about theirs. And you being one of those people where I just know that you're the kind of person, if I needed a place for my wife to stay, or if I needed a job or if I needed a, anything or vice versa, like, uh, and you realize when those types of people, and you can see it when you're funneling through hundreds of them in a process, like we are in a transactional business, you see ones that are like the way that person talks or thinks or texts or trusts or whatever it is, is different. And those are the ones that I've made sure I don't ever 
uh, in any way obstruct their access to me or uh, take myself at all out of the service. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and I, and I know, I know that we're coming up on a, a break here and everything. And I think that might be a good segue where I, I want to talk about what it is that you are specifically, you know, doing for CSI financial group. And I think honestly, the main reason why, I mean, I wanted to get you on the podcast simply because we've got to promote the Beth group because it's, it's been, you know, an amazing relationship, you know, partnership as far as I'm concerned, but I know that we definitely want to talk about specifically why you wanted to come on here to talk about what you're doing for CSI financial group and how my advisors uh, really need to understand. And, and even Tim James can talk about this. I mean, I don't know how many times he said, dude, if you're not working with CSI Financial Group, like what's wrong with you, right? And that's not and that's not to sound, you know, bloviating or making it, you know, uh, exaggerative whatsoever. But I definitely know that I want to talk about that, too. So so, Tim, James, are we coming up on a break or is there anything you want to you know, chat about before or, or ask Miles before we go there? Well, it is break time. So um, I, I'm ex- really excited to, t- to get this information from Miles, too, about like what you see from your point of view, from the marketing standpoint. Um, on what separates CSI Financial from, you know, other organizations um, and what they're doing to actually help financial advisors blow their business up. We'll be right Mm -hmm. back. Are you concerned about being able to get all of your affairs in order during this trying time? Are you troubled by what would happen if you ever became incapacitated? Maybe you've been procrastinating in the past to address these issues, but now, more than ever before, you know just how important it is to get everything documented. Well, don't worry, because we can get you taken care of right from the comfort of your own home. Welcome to the revolutionary My Life Card Plan Estate Plan Processing Platform, home of the last estate plan you'll ever need. We are very pleased you are here, and rest assured, we can offer you a complete estate planning experience regardless of where in the 50 states you may live. Our unique transformational system combines efficiency, convenience, and professional support at levels you never thought possible for setting up your estate plan. Moreover, we will provide you with powerful, user-friendly dynamics that put you in total control of your plan throughout your lifetime. Call us today at 888-316-6040 or go to www.csifinancialgroup.com and our team of specialists will be there to assist you every step of the way. What's up, Enrichers? Tim James here with my co-host, Carter Wilcox. And today in the house, we've got Miles Veth from vethgroup.com. Um, we'll put that description in the link. Um, I already checked out your page, Miles. It's pretty freaking cool. And what I've liked so far about you is like, you know, normally when, you know, you get on the phone with tech people, um, they try to wow you with all of their knowledge, you know, or they, they'll tend to like rip on other companies, Um and then sell, sell, sell. There's no point for me so far. I mean, you're just, I mean, it's podcast where it's laid back and stuff, but I can kind of tell you have a different approach. Maybe, maybe you were a little desperate in the beginning, but now <laughs> not so much. I don't know, but I think it's your, it's your values and stuff are, are really shining through. And, 
And um, I like your uh, thirst for knowledge and all the books you picked up. So if anybody's listening here, whether you're a financial advisor or you're a business owner and you'd like to get some more online marketing, I can already tell, like, I just, you know, I've made that transition from, you know, the guy, financial advisor, whatever, you know, selling face to face in front of people all day to going to an e-commerce business. And it's a whole new industry and it's a whole new world. And you have things to learn like copywriting and writing your subject lines so people will open the damn email. doesn't matter how good your email is. If they don't click and open it, it's like pointless, right? Direct marketing, um, just positioning, things that you're doing on social media. So um, I have, I can just tell you that I have a really good feeling um, from my knowledge that I've learned in the last seven years of being having an e-commerce business that um, it just, it feels right to, um, to, you know, at least get a quote from you or work with you. So I just want to thank you for that. So now why don't we get into why would we want to, why, what have you noticed about CSI financial and what, what do you like about them? Uh, yeah, well, thank you for, uh, thank you for that compliment. You're very kind. I, uh, uh, yeah, I think I've been blessed. I grew up with two entrepreneurs, my dad and his brother, uh, who pretty much from the cradle I've been around this. So I think that quiet confidence is probably, more to thank in them than anything that I've figured out myself. But CSI Financial Group, uh, I think, is a fascinating opportunity. And I'm very close to this space because I help financial advisors try to get clients. Uh, I've helped mortgage uh, loan officers try to recruit other loan officers. I've helped life insurance salespeople um, both solicit business and uh, recruit others. Uh, and I, I've seen a lot of different things. And the first thing that strikes me about Carter, which I really respect, is he was a top producer uh, mm-hmm. at a very competitive company. And I, I just refuse to believe that if you can't do it, you can teach it. <laughs> Everyone says coaching and playing are separate. And I understand Bill Belichick up in my neck of the woods was not a player, but he's the best coach or whatever for the Patriots. But the majority, I think, of great coaches or um, I read about Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill, uh, when he was 16 years old, was a POW who escaped from a prisoner of war camp and went back to the front lines at 16. By the time he was leading all of England at the age of 60, like he had done every job you could have in the military. And I think Carter, first off, embodies that if he really understands what it takes to win. And he's done this long enough. And similar to the ethos I'm trying to bring. I think he is accessible and generous and willing to help. And CSI takes that all encompassing approach, like what we're trying to do at Beth group. And I've learned from him in terms of how he supports his uh, larger base of clients than I have of it's all hands on deck to make them successful. So I think the first thing that strikes me about them is they care. Uh, They're not just trying to add another advisor for no reason. They're not signing people up who won't benefit. They're not going to you know, Edward Jones people, they can't help with a certain service and tricking them into signing up for a month, like so many people that sell in that space. Um, But I think that the other thing that uh, really strikes me about CSI is, uh, it makes me have a quote by Steve Jobs, where he said, we can't be better than our competition. We have to be different. Uh, And all the financial advisors that I've ever worked with are fixated on, in my experience, two things, either Uh, basically the fact that they're trustworthy or the fact that a certain product needs to be in the hands of a customer. So every outreach they do is about that. Do you have a Roth IRA? I care so much about my clients and I'm world-class. And I, and I've seen lots of them take the Veth group platform, 
which for lack of a better term, imagine if I'm a financial advisor in Detroit, Michigan, I want to see every CEO in Detroit, Michigan's email address in a system shooting out emails all day. So their responses come back to me to book meetings. Beth Group has automated that at one one hundredth of the cost of Zoom info. Like, and we do all the copywriting. So it's like, we're, we're doing it at very powerful scale. And I've seen financial advisors correct me on how I want to write copy for them with very generic things like their investment returns or their track record or their trust or the fact that people need insurance or trying to target like someone who just had a baby on Facebook with life insurance ads. And it's so focused on them. I think what I've noticed about CSI that is really, really unique is they are taking the approach of understanding what would a client care about and backing into taking care of yourself, which is is biblical, which, uh, yeah, I think like it works. So what Carter's figured out is if you provide an amazing experience around estate planning, helping people plan for their future, helping people decide what their legacy is going to be, uh, they will want to become your customer and they'll leave better off. And I was telling them the other day, I'm passionate about the work I'm doing for CSI to help them get the word out because I, I don't even have any kids at the moment. And I spent a well over an hour, two Saturdays ago, writing down a hundred goals I had relative to having a family, like how I'd want to parent kids and the things like wanting to leave them each a passive income property, wanting like vet group to reach a certain size, wanting to pay for their kids college, like my grandkids college, like whatever these different goals are. And I realized that's legacy and that's what Carter's doing. And he's teaching advisors, stop shoving product down people's throats, stop tricking them into trying to refer their friends, stop pretending you want to catch up with people only to try to sell them and actually think about what they need, which is how to store their resources while they're on this planet. Uh, and the platform they've done and the results they're generating, I think, speak for themselves. So, I, yeah, I couldn't be a bigger, bigger fan. And I've seen the issue he's you know, fixing all day long with you know, five people I've done it for. So, sorry, that was probably long winded. No, that, are you kidding? Yeah. I'm just, uh, that's that's awesome. And, yeah. you know, um, I am one of, you know, for sake of full transparency, I am one of your clients, but. What really, you know, impressed me and, and what you impressed upon me is your your uh, appreciation for recognizing that. And, and I've said this in many, many, many conversations and I have a recruiting video, quote unquote. Right. I call it recruiting because that's what we call in the industry. But really, I'm just trying to get the message out that and get these advisors to understand that product is not the unmet need in this industry. Uh-uh. And what I go on to tell them is that, and your clients know that. Yeah. They're like, oh, wait, you have products to sell me? Hmm, I had no idea. I wasn't expecting that, you know, from a financial advisor, right? Um, and And really what we have tried to do is this multidisciplinary team approach is to ultimately help advisors right out of the gate if they tap into our entire resources is to make them look bigger than they are right mm-hmm. because and the other thing that I'll share with a lot of times independent solopreneurs even if though they don't call themselves that you know in in my space they really are for all intents and purposes a one man or a one woman show you know, maybe they have a, maybe it's a husband and wife duo and, and things like that. 
But guess what? You're competing against the Edward Joneses of the world and, and Raymond James of the world and Ameriprises of the world. And when clients have an option, they would much rather feel like they have an entire team of people to help them than just your great trustworthiness and your products you're trying to sling to me. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's why at the end of the day, honestly, I think that's why a lot of captive agents or captive advisors stay captive because they grow accustomed And those companies. They know that Edward Jones and, and um, you know, Ameriprise and Bankers Life and New York Life, you know, captive you know organizations. They know that these agents and advisors need all of their resources and their tools. And then they rake them over the coals and they get like a, you know, a, you know, 50% payout or whatever it is. And then, but then what ends up happening is that they needed all those tools for so long and they got all these like re renewals or all these clients, it's all virtually impossible for them to break free and become independent. So a lot of the advisors we work with learned early on that they felt like they could do that themselves. So we wanted to create an environment where advisors even if it's early on in their in their stage of growth, that they had a resourceful, you know, partner in their in the, in the in the respective growth of their industry and their company because they believed in themselves that they could do that. But how do they do that? Well, CSI Financial Group just decided to build it all. We just built it all. Build this team. We had the foundational approach of estate planning, which is in and of itself a differentiator. Because the conventional wisdom tells um, most advisors and even their clients and prospects that they're after to work with that in order to get my estate plan work done, who do I have to go see? Attorney. They have to go see an attorney, mm -hmm. right? The conventional wisdom tells them that. And the, and the legal profession has done a phenomenal job of conveying that, you know, making them feel that way. So because of the tools that we use and because of the platform that we've got, you know, we now have the ability to have the advisor be the quarterback of a team that includes attorneys, but it's not the be all end all. And when clients find out that they can actually work directly with their trusted advisor or this advisor who's trying to work with them tells them something that no other advisor has told them, it becomes the wedge that separates those current advisors that they may be working with to now come and work with our advisors that have this entire team that surrounds them. So um, that that's the thing that I think, and you can reinforce this, but I think that was a thing that really helped you appreciate just how different this is. It's not like we're saying it's different. We're like, no, 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 it is different. And I was just having a, uh, a conversation with, a company uh, over the last couple of weeks, they have 50,000 participants. And we started talking to them about how we can deliver educational information on estate planning that as far as I'm concerned, anybody who has assets needs an estate plan. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking, talking about people who don't consider themselves wealthy. I'm saying if you have assets and, and you know, obviously we've been talking with you and, you know, you're, you know, you're better half. And I know we're going to be trying to help you out here, you know, fairly in short order. But I'm like, look, I've already thought about all the things that you need. They were like asking me all these questions. And I'm like, 
let's get you through the demo. Let's get you to understand what the process and the, and the platform is and everything. But just know this. We have been laser focused on delivering content and educational videos for your already existing clientele that all leads with the state planning's need and why it's not just for millionaires and billionaires, which again is the conventional wisdom. So um, we just had that meeting today and I said, here's the email that goes out. Here's all the deliverables. Here's all this, here's all that. And she was just like, love it, love it. It's awesome. And she was thinking that she was gonna tell me some things that she would like to have done. Well, guess what? We already knew what was missing what was lacking and what needed to be created. So I, again, I have another you know phrase that I use, you know, if you build it, they will come. So that's what I did. I, I built something that just doesn't currently exist that enables an individual producer, advisor, agent, whatever they want to call themselves, planner, to tap into a system that's completely turnkey that is all about client acquisition, client retention, and ultimately generational control. So anyway, I think, and I know that was long-winded too, but but I think that's what you've grown to appreciate on what the Veth Group has done on our LinkedIn on really being able to frame that in so many different ways that really helps you appreciate what we've done. Mm-hmm. And I think you brought up a great point. It's every stage of the funnel. It's you want to make a new relationship. This is a better tip of the spear. Like I've... I've always thought if I was in the recruiting industry, which I've, I've never been um, other than for the marketing we do, I would just reach out and say, hey, salesperson, do you want to know the highest three paid sales jobs in all of Austin, Texas? Happy to email them over. Because <laughs> that's interesting to the candidate. Everyone wants to say, I have a new job. Do you want to put your name in? Because they want to show their client they got a lead. But what's interesting to the candidate is that, and I think about for advisors, if you put on the hat of the client, like you said, I get Roth IRA emails 85 times a day. <laughs> Do you want a Roth IRA? I didn't even know what it was until last week. One of my friends happened to explain it offhandedly on the phone. And it it's just funny because you're right. It all looks the same. And I've had people yell at me about the fact that I didn't have life insurance on myself before I was married or something. I'm just thinking like this, whether or not I'm right or wrong, you're not making me feel like you care. And number two, it's like, I just don't have that. Like at that point in life, I didn't have many assets or much to lose. Like no one was counting on me. I had $10,000 in the bank. Like it. So I look at that as like, they're like, you need a whole life policy. It's like, and again, without knowing all the details, it's just saying like, well, if, if you're, if I pay this every month and it's such a great investment and and insurance companies own 80% of the assets in the stock market, you must have a more risk-free way of making the spread than, then you're paying me on the product or else it wouldn't make sense for you to do this at scale. And not that I was so smarter that there's not reasons to do whole life. I understand the discipline and I'm sure we'll get into it when we keep talking to you. I'm just it, like, whether my perception's even right or wrong, it's just, you're right. The, if someone came to me and said, I want to help you understand how much income you have to make every year to put your grandkids through college, I would want to talk to them. Yeah. And the funny thing is no one wants to do that. They just, they, they skip the step and it's, I, I think I love parallel analogies in marketing. I think dating is an interesting analogy because my generation has grown up with uh, dating technology, unlike your guys' generation where like they're, you're in these constant like matchmaking uh, platforms. And it's so interesting because 
when you look at how they work, it's just people saying like, look how smart I am. Look how great I am. Look how great I am. Look how great I am all day. And the one person I've always thought who, if they were just to walk around on, on one of these apps and just go, don't you hate this thing? They'd get like 99% of the conversations because again, it's different and it's empathetic. And it's, and I think you've done that as you've realized this is the need in the market. And I, I've seen, I have like a successful relatives or family or th- and I, I've noticed like their pain is not products. Like people just, a lot of people have been, whether or not it's a good idea, they've been sold the idea that, you know, the SPY is the best investment in the world. No, you have to find out what the problem is and then the tool will be very clear. Yeah. That reminds me, I know Carter, if I brought this up before, but um, an analogy that you'll probably like miles is that there was this little old lady and she went into the, her, her stove wasn't working. And she came into the stove um, store to get a new stove. And the salesman came up and he's like, this is the X 1000 and it's 1600 BTUs per da, 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 and all this stuff. And he rattled on for 20 minutes. And when he was done, she's like, um, well, let me ask you a question. He's like, yeah, go ahead. Will it keep an old lady warm? <laughs> You know, that's all she wanted. She just wanted the day. Will it keep me warm? You know, and he went on and off and all this stuff. So that's, um, I think where people get today, we get into too much of this product and it's, you know, it's an index universal life and man, you can use it. It's a Swiss army knife to, to, you know, to financial planning. It can be a life insurance policy. It can be a tax savings account. You can take tax-free income out. You can be your own bank and I love that one. It's like, it's not, it can't be that easy to be your own bank with given all the regulations on them. Yeah. Well, I mean, back when I was selling it, actually, it was, it was, it was a pretty cool tool. It's it's, no, it's no, there, well, there's no doubt about that. Right. I mean, and I think that what they've tried to do is again, they're, they're trying to spin it in a different type of a way to connote like something that, you know, you're comfortable with, right? Be your own bank. Well, it sounds interesting, right? So, so people are going to, you know, maybe want to inquire yeah. about that. Yeah. Hey, instead of paying your, you know, your credit in your bank 5% for, you know, your trailer loan, or your car loan, how about we show you how to become your own bank? Maybe not right now, but we can work towards that over the next 10 years. And then for the rest of your life, you can pay yourself interest. How does that sound? That Somebody might click on that. They might open it. It might be more interested than, you know, let me, let me sell you a life insurance policy. So anyway, <laughs> no, we're, we're coming up on it. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah. No, I think you're exactly. And that's the same idea. I think what, what Carter's tapped into that's different is uh, I guess I'd leave it at this is if you can get to the point where you're asking someone how they want to be remembered when they die, you probably know the single most intimate thing about them. Yeah. I think to start the conversation to break through the noise there everything else is downhill. Whereas if I'm just trying to sell your product, I'm just another one of the three people you look at quotes from. I think getting into legacy as this umbrella that becomes all these other things, I think is the, is the begin with the end in mind, Stephen Covey. And the fact that he's made it so easy for an advisor to plug into that, if they don't have the resources themselves, I think is where the magic is and why he's got you know, 300 people voting with their wallets that they believe in it. So, yeah, yeah that's how that I might, you know what, and Miles, you might have just uh, cracked the code for dating to you. That might be the best one liner ever. It's like, hey, baby, um, you know, when you die, what do you want to be remembered by? <laughs> I know. I'm thinking of dying soon. Do, do you mind reading my obituary? Yeah. Well, I, I have a wife. So Nobody's asking that, that question before, I would guarantee I, you. I, I won't be able to test it, but I, I guess if, if any listener doesn't and, uh, and has some success, they can let the three of us know. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to flip the script, and Miles gets to ask me any question on health. We'll be right back. You want the absolute best for yourself, and you want it to be easy. That's why we created Green 85. It helps with detoxifying the body gently. We're proud it's chemical-free, unlike almost all other supplements you'll find. Bottom line. Green 85 will get you healthier. We look forward to hearing what Green 85 did for you. To get this product and our other amazing products, go to chemicalfreebody.com. That's chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Enrichers? Tim James here with my co-host, Carter Wilcox, and today we've got Miles Veth, V-E-T-H, in the house. Miles, thanks for being here. So now we're going to flip the script. Um, no more marketing talk or, you know, what we're going to do with Roth IRAs. Now we're going to talk about health. So what health question or questions do you have for me? So I, I feel like there's so many good ones. Um, I would love your perspective on the danger of the coronavirus from a health perspective. Like I've heard people from huge hospitals say this is the worst plague ever, which I think I think the black plague killed more people from the little bit I've read. But then I do hear nurses on the ground at Yale New Haven, right up the street who say they see people with no comorbidities pass away from this who are 42 years old. And I have struggled to make sense of the health ramifications of a virus, and I would love your perspective on how dangerous is this thing actually. Well, that's a that's a pretty good question. I think a lot of people are still, um, you know, asking that question, and I think that you know we have to look at um, uh, life pre-corona. Um, where were we with our health as Americans? Right. Well, we were the we're the sickest people that have ever walked the face of the earth. That's where we were. Okay. So whether it's the corona or a cold or the flu or pneumonia, that makes us more susceptible, right? So take some guy that's got, you know, he's had, you know, stents put in his heart, angioplasty, bypass surgery. You know, he's not changing his lifestyle and he just keeps coming back and $50,000 surgery here, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then he, you know, gosh, then he gets hypertension. He's on blood pressure medications. And, um, you know, and he ends up finding himself in the hospital and gets pneumonia and dies. So did he die of the pneumonia or it could be Corona? Maybe he Corona. Did he die of Corona? No, he, it was, he was, he died because, um, he had poor health. That's the bottom line. So if us as a country have poor health and people have to realize that 80% of us before Corona and still now today are overweight, obese or morbidly obese. And the more weight we have on us up goes our uh, disease, whether it's heart attack, cancer, COPD, um, MS, Hashimoto's, uh, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, diverticulitis, all these gut issues, um, fibromyalgias, whatever it is, everything goes up, diabetes, um, it goes up. So, um, you know, a lot of people get really polarized on this topic, right? Because I have, uh, and you know, you see people that are, they're getting jabbed, right? And they have on Facebook, I've got my jab and you need to go get yours. And they're out promoting it and they're wearing masks and, and they're putting masks on their children. 
Well, those people are actually interested in health. That's the reality. Otherwise, they wouldn't go get jabbed and they wouldn't put a mask on. There's another camp that um, has probably either done the due diligence or um, just goes along with what they're hearing, and they're, they're never going to get a vaccine. And um, and uh, they're never going to wear a mask because they, they learn stuff like, you know, they understand that there's oral health issues by wearing masks. It raises the core temperature of your mouth, which creates more acidity. And then the oral microbiome or the bacteria in the mouth, there's about 700 of them. And three of them, as an example, one of them being gingivitis, goes crazy and grows out of control. And that's why dentists are reporting a 50% increase in tooth decay, tooth rot, gum disease. Um, it's because the disruption of the oral microbiome, right? So, you know, what we really need to do is look deeper. And the real issue is is infrastructure in this country. We have poor infrastructure. You know, it's uh, we're rated a D minus in infrastructure right now. And if you look at the turn of the century, where were we in infrastructure in big cities? It was terrible. Terrible sanitation, urine, feces in the streets. There was dead cows in the water, dead horses in the water. We were very sick. Infectious diseases were terrible. I mean, they were, it was killing lots of people. Measles, as an example, killed 14, 14 people out of every 100,000 in the United States, was dying of just the measles. It's tremendously high rates. But by the 1950s, mid-50s, 96% of the measles was eradicated. The measles vaccine came in in 1963. So was it, the, was it the vaccine that saved us? No. What was it? It was the women's labor movement that started the late turn of the century, 1800s, that fought for the eight hour workday, that fought for safe working environments, because it used to be dangerous to go to work, like you could die. You know, they fought for better pay, they fought for sanitation, they got the sanitation worker and the plumber hired, and they cleaned up the urine and the feces in the streets, and they got the dead horses and the dead cows of the water, and our health went up, and infectious diseases dropped like a rock, right? So it's 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 always about the environment, and it's gonna it's always gonna be up to the working class people taking care of themselves. It's not gonna come from politicians or elites, and the medical system is broke. The medical system and vaccines and stuff is based on an outdated model of the immune system. It's like a hundred hundred and fifty year old model. It's the only thing they talk about is the the innate immune system and the adaptive immune system. The innate being like you know the bite microbiome that is in your mouth that protects you, and you have bacteria on your skin, and there's these things that are like centuries. They're like, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, I would say like, um, army, maybe you got the frontline army troops out there. Right. Or, you know, something like that. And they're protecting you from the first, that's their first level of defense. Right. And, but they don't talk about the modern system where we talk about the gut bacteria being part of the immune system, the brain being part of it and our interferon system, which wants and desires to be, uh, exposed to viruses and bacteria and molds and stuff like this because it develops resilience. Like you think about it, maybe you had some friend of yours that grew up, his parents were wealthy, he had a cushy life, and now he, you really can't make nothing of himself and he struggles with life. Whereas maybe where you struggled a little bit and you had to fight for everything and you got tougher and you got a thicker skin and now you go out into the real world and you kick ass, right? You, it's just, you know, it's the same thing with, um, Lifting weights, like if you lift a broomstick every day, your chest muscles aren't going to be that big. But if you put some resistance there, you're going to build muscle, right? It's the same thing with the immune system. When you get exposed to something that's called natural herd immunity, your body takes it in. And over two days, it develops the natural antibodies, which is just one part of the immune system. It's not just antibodies. That, that's another story. But it develops this whole intricate system that will protect you. And now your immune system becomes a thousand times stronger. So if that virus mutates, 
which they do all the time, it has different variances of uh, levels of protection to protect you. So my opinion on the Corona deal is that, um, you know, there's been very much manipulation on data. Uh, I've had many people on my show, like um, uh, uh, Senator uh, Dr. Scott Jensen, who is, you know, he's an active senator in, uh, in the Senate. And also well, in 2016, I believe he was the number one, uh, voted number one doctor in the state of Minnesota for family physicians. So this guy's doing good stuff, right? And he said after 30 years, they are making him change how he fills out a death certificate. All of a sudden, magically, when the coronavirus is here. And again, it goes back to you have heart disease, you have all these issues, and then you die. And then if you test positive for corona, then they're told that they have to put the death down as corona. Even though he's like, no, it's heart disease, right? It's like it wasn't pneumonia that killed the dude. It wasn't, you know, the flu that killed him. It was because he had a... yeah, he had heart disease. That was the major underlying cause of this death. The, the 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 pneumonia, the flu, the cold, the corona was just the the icing on the cake that you know put him over the edge. But the reason behind it is because you know in his state he said I think and for for pneumonia as an example I think they get like you know five thousand forty five hundred dollars that's what the hospital gets. But if they simply market corona they get like thirteen thousand. Hmm. So there's a big huge financial incentive for for hospitals to mark that. Um, it's a lot of money, big money or to assume it and not test for it. Yeah. And then, you know, and then if they put you on a ventilator, then they get, you know, total 39,000 total. So it's really good money to, if you have Corona or some type of a fluid infection in your lungs to market as Corona and then put it down as put you on a respirator, even though now that you, um, uh, put on somebody on a respirator, that's probably going to kill them in uh, over 80% of the cases because your lungs are already filled with fluid. It's just a mechanical deal at that point. You start putting pressure into lungs and your alveoli already filled up with fluid. You're just going to blow up your lungs and kill people. So the the whole thing with the respirators was, um, you know, like Dr. Jensen said, you know, give the doctors the benefit. They didn't know they were just trying to figure it out at the time, but it's, it's literally a death sentence for somebody to put them on a respirator. It's really dumb. And we think about how many man hours and money was spent just trying to get these respirators out to hospitals to kill us. Right. So we're looking at a medical system that's obviously, you know, you know, it's broke. We spend 3.3 trillion on healthcare in this country. We're based on a hundred year old outdated uh, view of the immune system. Um, Pharmaceutical companies uh, write the textbooks for the doctors. Um, They take a Hippocratic oath at the very end that says, I will do no harm. That was based on Hippocrates, the father of medicine, supposedly. But they missed the big part where he said, let thy food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food. And he healed people from all kinds of problems uh, using food and herbs and medicine and massage and touch and working things out with people's relationships. You know, stress is a big killer today. Um, In fact, Paramedes and Hippocrates both said that, you know, give me the power to create fever and I can cure all disease. Right. Look, what happens when you get a flu? What your body creates a fever and it knocks the virus out. Right. So there's there's ways that people can create. Um, as an example, we would teach people that are flat broke and don't have the money to buy an infrared sauna how to take a ginger bath. You get powdered ginger and you put one cup of that in a bathtub, as an example. Hot water, as hot as you can get it. Do not get any of this ginger in your eyes. It burns. OK, it's super hot. And then you get into the tub. And, you know, you kind of kind of swish it around, especially for women in the, you know, in the, in the genital area, because it can be hot. It'll burn you a little bit. The guy's there at the tip. But you get in there for 20 minutes and you get out and you pat yourself off really good. Don't don't wash the stuff off. 
and then you put on long john tops, long john bottoms, socks, and and then a sweatshirt, sweatpants, and then wrap up in like three towels. Wash your hands. Make sure not to touch your eyes with it, and then go to sleep. And you're going to lay there in bed, and you're going to create a fever. It's going to raise your core temperature up, and you're going to. So this is some. This is an old school way of creating a, a, a fever. So if you're around somebody with pneumonia or corona or a cold and you don't want to get sick or you feel like a touch of that stuff coming on, you could do a old school ginger bath and raise your core temperature. The easier way to do it today without getting your eyes burnt or your genitals is um, uh, is taking infrared saunas, right? These things are very powerful. Um, Carter, we got. did you get your sauna yet? I have not got my sauna yet, no. He's too busy helping advisors. He doesn't have any time to sell. Yeah, we're going to get him on this because this is going to help him out. If it's like one of the best hacks, actually, we made the sauna now. Uh, it's it's now required in our one-on-one VIP coaching. They have, people have to purchase it. So, uh, good news. I've been a sauna dealer for eight and a half years, but I sold my fifty-four hundred dollar unit. I got this little um, thirteen hundred or nineteen hundred dollar unit, so it's affordable. You plug it into a one ten, but anyway, you can hop in this thing, and this thing in twenty-five minutes can raise your core temperature three point two degrees. There is no other sauna that can do this. All the other saunas are maybe a degree to a degree and a half. So you have yourself a little healing box, a little harmful organism destruction box, something that will reduce inflammation, boost your immune system big time, increase circulation, uh, helps with sleep, weight loss, all kinds of stuff. So that's at thehealthysauna.com. If you want to check it out, I created a landing page so people can get the damn sauna. It's so good. But, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a question that's, it's really loaded with a lot of uh, what you said was uh, about Corona. What's, what's the deal? It's, it's loaded with a lot of polarity because we have to understand that the elites have been using uh, divide and conquer strategies for years, right? It's Republican versus Democrat, black versus white, anti-vax versus vax, um, mask versus anti, anti-mask, right? And they pit us against each other. And then we keep looking at these surface level issues and fighting amongst ourselves. And they have people on both sides of the aisle. I mean, I'm actually typing up an essay right now that I'm part of the Truth, Freedom, and Health Movement. One of my leadership and training programs, I have to write a 300-word essay. I'm like double that. But, you know, one of the things that people don't realize is that, you know, it's, 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 that, it's that women's labor movement that drove the success of America that got the infrastructure, that got the health, that got the better wages and all that. And everybody go back to the fifties and look, I mean, one person could go out and work and there's tons of income. You could have a home, save money. And the other spouse could stay home and raise the kids with your values and teach the kids. Right. And there was community there. Now what's happened is both mom and dad are forced out into the workplace. Somebody else is raising the kids. What values are they teaching them? I don't know. They're just throwing, you know, freaking uh, animal crackers at them. Those goldfish deals. Right. And, you know, and there's some or some do better than others, but, you know, it's probably on average, not the best thing for the kids. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, and the kids, again, you know, 30 was it 30, 40 percent of children are obese today. I mean, we got some major problems with our kids. Right. So it's this Republican versus Democrat thing. We have to understand that it doesn't work. OK, because the Republicans in 1970 got together with the Democrats and they said, hey, look. Working class movement is communism and Americans got pissed. My mom and dad are tried and true Democrats. I mean, they will because of that deal, because of the communist comments that they that the Republicans made in the 1970s against the working class movement. But then the Republic, the Democrats came in and said, hey, we're for the working class. We're going to create the labor unions. And they put this 
they put the top-down unions on top of the actual grassroots movement and capped it. And up until 1970, from the 1900s, 200 million Americans striked for better wages, better pay, better work environments, and better infrastructure, and we got it. And that's what made America great. But in the 19, early 1970s, the Republicans and Democrats crushed that movement. And since then, the last 50 years, do you guys know how many people have striked for better pay, better work? Yeah, Two million. So in 70 years, we had 200 million. This is way before cell phones, right? Social media. Grassroots, business, yeah. pieces of paper, flyers, people meeting, right? They got it done, and we got what we wanted. And we've gotten lazy. We've been entertained. We've been sitting back where we're doing, you know, uh, fantasy football and getting entertained like the Romans. They put the big, you know, the cathedral together or whatever, and then they're doing the, you know, people, you know, bringing in lions and fighting all that stuff and distracting people from reality. And we've lost our freedoms. We've lost our First Amendment. We've lost our health. Um, we've lost our infrastructure. We've lost our wages. $47 trillion from 1970 until today of our hard-earned wages have went to um, – up river to the elite. So that what that means, Miles, is that somebody earning $50,000 today based on GDP growth should be making 120,000. That $70,000 of your money is going up river to the elite. So if we want that back, it has to go back to the movement. We had 1776, we've got our freedom from the British elites and the early 1900s is when that women's labor movement built America to be awesome until 1970s, but the it's the it's the it's the people, uh, the Republicans, Democrats, and the elites, they're all working together in conjunction with the news organizations and Hollywood and the judicial system. There's people in there. It's, it's highly infiltrated. But the good news is, is there's a hell of a lot more of us than there ever will be of them. So if we just unite again, which is what we're doing in the Truth, Freedom, and Health movement, it's truly a working class grassroots movement, then we can get back our health. And, you know, if you want to go look, you guys can look this up. Dr. Shiva... S-H-I-V-A, letter to President Trump. Dr. Shiva, letter to President Trump, PDF. Put that in your browser. And, and he actually wrote a letter on how to attack this corona pandemic and what to do so that we could have no shutdowns and everybody would be good. And he was a, you, you, you as a person would go into four different categories. Either somebody that was healthy, that was uh, not affected with it, what to do. Somebody that was not healthy, that wasn't affected. Somebody that was in critical care. And then somebody that was, um, uh, you know, maybe immunocompromised, but, um, you know, doesn't have, there's four different categories. And he gives you, you know, take this much vitamin A, take this much vitamin D, take some iodine, uh, vitamin C or high dose vitamin C if you're, um, you know, in critical condition. And that's it. And the only people should be quarantined are the ones that are, you know, have tremendous amounts of other health issues, you know. Um, and uh, And if you go back and read that letter, it's just it's it's just clear as day. I mean, everything points back to a to a, a to a movement, right? So, I know that was a big, huge answer, but <laughs> a huge answer. But the reality is, is we have to get off of these surface level issues. We have to get to the root of the problem of our health issues, and the root of the problem is we have sh poor infrastructure in this country, and poor infrastructure is directly related to poor health. If we had everybody was in shape and all this stuff, regardless if you think Corona was like you know, you know, natural or man-made or it came from monkeys or Fauci made it with Obama and, you know, all these, it doesn't really matter. The reality is, is we have poor health. And if we're going to get it back, coronavirus or not, we have to, we have to get infrastructure and the people in power today are not getting the job done. 
And it's because a lot of good, hard working people like us entrepreneurs, we're busy building our businesses and we've let these jackos go in there and take these, you know, city council, mayors, Senate. I mean, look at some of these people, some of these people that are working in our, our government. I mean, it's 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 very it's it's embarrassing, actually. It's embarrassing some of the, the level of the, the quality of individuals that are in our government today. It's really embarrassing. So, um, yeah, that's that. So there you go. Yeah. And if I've learned one thing about human history, it is that, and I think this is one of the biggest arguments for Christianity is it, it you return to this idea that we have a really hard time consistently being kind to each other. And this human history is full of endless examples of the stronger person has a very hard time being kind to the weaker person when there's not self-interest associated with that. And I think that governments, all these, like you said, all these systems would work if we were kind to each other and also took care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the biggest issue is that if what's happening is whether you have socialism or communism or capitalism or whatever it is, is there's always a marginalized party. Uh, and that marginalized party or the less powerful party is at the mercy of the more powerful party. And James Madison said it, if the, if a majority is united by common interest, the rights of the minority will be insecure. And they knew that, I mean, de Tocqueville said they knew that uh, the only way democracy would function would be if there was a higher moral standard of how we had to treat each other. Back to what Carter and I got into, these business relationships that are actually based off caring and sacrifice and not just based off trying to make money off each other at all costs. Mm-hmm. I think if I've learned anything, it's that the, like you said, us as whether or not the vaccine is bad or the virus is real or the China, whatever it is, my ability to control that's a lot less than my ability to like in my immediate circle, be the change I want to see in the world. And like you said, if all three of us do that and we get three more to do that they get three more to do that. The world can change really quickly. And that's why I'm passionate about building Beth group. I'm 28 years old. So I feel really blessed to be doing this at a young age. Like I want to build a company. I, I don't, I'm never going to get to as big as Facebook if I don't use outside money, but I want to get to the point where uh, I can swing a little bit of weight and moving the conversation in a positive direction. Cause the airwaves in our country are just completely controlled by garbage. And it's just, it's not helping anyone make wise decisions. I just, I'm just absolutely amazed at, um, and Carter, we've talked about this plenty. It's just like people's like values and I've, it, it's just mind boggling. So it's just like, how do we make a difference? Cause the misinformation is, is a big an issue. It's always been an issue. I mean, I, I learned the other day that the taxes in America at the time of the American revolution on those colonists were 4% of the taxes of an average British citizen. So they're paying 4%. So it's like me striking because I'm getting overtaxed and Carter's paying 25 times as much in taxes, like pound <laughs> for pound. And it's just funny, like that doesn't get recorded in the history book because information gets aggregated by the people in power. And I think if I, we've learned anything, it's we have to really make these first principles decisions for ourselves. Like you said, of like, I don't think I should put Sour Patch Kids in my body. Those are probably no different than heroin. I know I shouldn't eat them. They're putting something in them that makes me want to eat them. Mm -hmm. And like, and we're legalizing it. So like alcohol is not allowed because of driving while drunk, but you can eat as many Sour Patch Kids or drink as much Coca-Cola as you want, no matter what it does to you. And they're allowed to push it at you all day. It's addictive. It had cocaine in it. Yeah. 
Like you said, if you think from first principles, it doesn't matter who's saying what, like that's not a good idea. And I think if we just, like Carter and I, I think we both appreciate that. That's, that's how a lot of our conversations, uh, we talk about politics is let's think about the basics of what actually makes sense. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. you brought up a per- important point is that the, this stuff is not, it's being erased from the history books. Like every single person so far that I've talked to and I've spoken in front of large groups, nobody even knows about the women's labor movement. They were never taught this in any school. They're like, really? And like, they nobody even knew that two, uh, it's like, when you heard that 200 million Americans striked for better wages from 1900 to 1970, you're like, really? Like, you, you can't even believe that's a lot of people. Yeah. Right? That's a shitload of people. But right? why would the person in power want you to know that? Exactly. Yeah. And the exactly. same and the same thing. And we look at Russia and China, and it's very easy for us to say they live in oppressive governments or Nazi Germany, they controlled the media. But there are people in our country who are naive enough to think our media is not just as controlled. Yeah. Yeah. Because people don't have time. We're freaking, they have us where they want us, right? Distracted, busy. We're just trying to get out of the the house for the weekend and take the kids to the beach, you know, which is Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler did that like Volkswagen, the people's car, like government funded beach uh, programs. He was doing all these things in the background and he just knew if, give people a car and give them the dream of a vacation. He could change all the history books and no one would even be paying attention. And yeah. it's like you said, it's just like, we act like, uh, we act like the government isn't so powerful that they can't control things like Facebook. They can print money. We don't, they're not accountable to us. If they print money, they could buy all the Facebook ads they want and never record it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like what's stopping them from doing that? Like they create the currency. <laughs> You know, one thing that really frustrated yeah. me was like, and, and here's the deal. It's like all this stuff is, it's pretty bad, right? Because we are the government, we fund them, but you know, we, we, we has to be a movement. There's no other way. But one thing was, um, what was I going to talk about? Uh, we were talking about, I've totally spaced it now. Um, Making the currency. Yeah. Printing, printing money. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy it. to think about though? They can buy Facebook ads as in the billions of dollars. Facebook gets money in their bottom line and the government does not have to tell us that they even did that. Oh yeah. Oh, I know. There's a couple things like, you know, it was like, this was like around Obama's time in office, something like uh, we had, you know, trillions of dollars worth of debt, but there was the exact amount of unaccounted. There was trillions of dollars of money that was unaccounted for uh-huh. through that was ran through military spending. Yeah. So enough money that it was like, um, exact. I mean, the, the national debt would have, could have been paid off. We don't even know where the money went. You know, but when the first Corona package came out, supposedly to help us from devastation and all this stuff that's happening, it was caused by the shutdowns. I think it was $900 billion package, right? Yep. 70% of that money didn't even go to anybody in the U.S. I remember reading one line, $10 million went to Pakistan for gender awareness programs. Like $10 million of taxpayers' money that was supposed to be a corona relief package for Americans was for gender education programs in Pakistan? The hell? You know what I mean? That is, it's like, who's writing this stuff? Well, that goes, that goes to show you, Tim, what you were just talking about earlier is that left versus right, us as Americans that aren't in the, aren't actually, you know, rubbing elbows, you know, you, you you have this assumption that um, you know 
Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer don't get along with Mitch McConnell and, you know, Jim Boehner back in the day, right? But they're all hanging out together. The, yeah, cocktail parties afterwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those idiots. <laughs> yeah, that's hey, I just got twelve billion. I got sixteen billion from XYZ Corp. <laughs> so, 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 think about this. How is it possible that there's even one piece of pork like that? Right? Just even one. I mean, if everybody didn't know, right? If there was only one person that was like, wait a second. Hold on. Why are we sending $10 million? So that means you have a whole gaggle of people left and right that have said, yeah, we're going to do this because, well, we're going to have it come back to us and get something we want. That's why, you know, the whole thing, the whole system's rigged. The whole system is absolutely rigged. And there's no way you're going to convince me that somehow even half of the um, half of Congress is like, $10 $10 million to Pakistan for ginger studies? Absolutely. Why wouldn't we? Yeah. And the thing that's crazy, when, when you really get into, like you said, how rigged it is, the number one principle of copywriting is talking specifics. These politicians only talk in generalities. Yeah. If you stood up and said, line 16 of this bill, we are sending $10 million to Pakistan. Like, I don't know if Mitch McConnell like doesn't read the stuff or his advisors don't read the stuff, or his inter... But, like, they never talk... Like, at least everything I see, it's all these hypotheticals, like... because But if one... Because if one called out the other, they'd all start doing it. And I and I yeah. think... And I, I don't... This is not substantiated. It's completely just opinion. But I've, I've wondered with this election fraud stuff, if at some point there's this tangible evidence of it happening... But the people who would prosecute it on the other side also are guilty of the same thing and just can't actually rig it up because it would turn back on them. Yeah. Well, it, it is. And like, I, like we're going to we're yeah. have to wrap up because I actually have another sh- thing I have to do in 10 minutes. But um, there, you, you can go to winbackfreedom.com and you can see Dr. Shiva Ayadure has two lawsuits. One of them is, to, is fighting for our First Amendment. That's winbackfreedom.com. He's going up against seven attorneys. Um, that are spending probably 350 million to 500 million a day to f- defend him and uh, against him. And uh, he's suing the se- Secretary of State of Massachusetts and Twitter for 1.7 billion combined for uh, the government's actually laundering censorship through big tech and media. So that's one lawsuit that's active that you're never going to hear about on the media because the media is implicated. Then you have his other lawsuit, which is where um, he's showing that the there's a what's called a weighted race feature inside of all the election software. It doesn't matter what brand it is. What that means is, is that first off, your vote should should go in as a whole number into the system, but it doesn't. It goes in as a fraction. <clears throat> so it goes in as a fraction, which is weird because it should be one person, one vote. Real simple. Why would you need a fractionated system? You need a whole number system. The weighted race feature is used for things like condo associations. You have 4,000 square foot in a condo. I've got 2,000 square foot. You should get two times the weight of the vote because you're paying more taxes in that condo, right? That's a weighted race feature. That makes sense for a condo association, but it doesn't make sense for an election unless you're trying to manipulate the election because you can manipulate it remotely. So what that means then is like, Miles, you and I are running for for, uh, governor of Oregon, let's say, and um, you get 1,000 votes and I get 1,000 votes. But they give me a, a value of 1.2. So my 1,000 turns into 1,200 votes, and they give you a value of 0.5. So your 1,000 turns into 500 votes. That's the output. 
I win 1,200 votes to 500. You lose. That's a weighted race feature. So what does that mean? That means that you are now a slave. It's, it's not about the hand counted, the, 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 or excuse me, the ballots or the dead people voting or all that stuff. The real crime scene is this weighted race feature inside of the machines. And that's what Dr. Shiva is exposing. And at the, at the Senate, I mean, he, he, he ran for Senate in Massachusetts. And what ended up happening was um, he went down because he was like, how is this possible? Like we had 3000 volunteers. We raced over almost $2 million. I had billboards. I had radio shows. We, we canvassed. We had a bus. I went to every, every county and spoke in front of the city courthouse. And I was up till night talking to educating people on vitamin D because he's also in, in other health. If he's one of the top immune system experts and the guy's working 24, seven, 10,000 bumper stickers, 20,000 yard signs. Nobody even knew who he was running against. Like even everybody like you, Shiva, you're going to win this in a landslide. Like, who are you running against anyway? Nobody even knew who the opponent was. No yard signs, no bumper stickers, nothing, nothing. He did like two radio shows at the very end. And in, in, in the one count, one County where it was like 70 or 90% hand counted balance, a white middle-class working, he wins by 10 points. All the other counties, he loses 60, 40, 60, 40, 60, 40, 60, 40, 60, 40. Well, they screwed up because he's also one of the top mathematicians and a pattern analysis experts in the world. And he knew that wasn't the case. So per federal guideline, it's USC code 52-107 or something like that. All images or ballot records have to be kept for federal election for 22 months. So he went down to get them to get a forensic audit on them and they were gone. They don't exist. So that was the problem. He emailed the secretary of state and they went back and forth. And the secretary of state said, Massachusetts lost Trump's federal law. Sorry, um, we don't have to keep them. And he's like, send me the law, send me the code. And they've never sent him the law or the code. So he posted those emails on Twitter and then Twitter took him down very quickly. And then he found out that our government, the state election directors have back channels to Twitter. It's called a trusted Twitter partnership. And there's this whole playbook that was designed at Harvard at the Belford Institute on uh, identifying uh, influence operators. And it's basically, it's, it's like a game plan to censor Americans. So we've lost our first amendment and this is happening in court right now. He's fighting right now. That's why everybody should go to winbackfreedom.com and donate at least a dollar uh, at least once, but even better on a monthly basis. Cause we're going to be going to discovery and uh, hopefully deposing the secretary of state of Massachusetts and deposing Jack Dorsey, the head of Twitter and, you know, and shining some light on this, but we, we don't know what's going to happen because we're just fortunate to have a judge that didn't dismiss the case. Uh -huh. yeah. we have, we, it's a one in a trillion thing happening around. This is a David versus a Goliath deal. And the, uh, the, and it's all of us need to get behind Dr. Shiva because if he, I mean, our first amendments, we've lost it and we have to win it back right now. So there is a lot we can do. Um, we just have to, working people need to unite again, and then we can get our freedoms back. We can get our health back. We build our infrastructure. Um, we get our wages back, and then we just can never stop again. The movement has to continue. We never can get lazy again. Uh -huh. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm excited to hear more about Well, it's been a privilege, guys. I know you got to run, Tim, but thank you so much for the opportunity, uh, both of you guys. Yeah, are you kidding me? Hey, Enrichers, um, thank you for joining us for another uh, podcast of the Health and Wealth Podcast Show. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can get us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts at. You can go to our website, thehealthandwealthpodcastshow.com to be able to see all of our previous uh, uh, shows that we've been able to have all these wonderful guests on, like our very wonderful guest today, Miles Veth from the Veth Group. Miles, Thank you very much. For Tim James, my co-host, I am Carter Wilcoxon. 
CEO and founder of CSI Financial Group and the architect of the Advisor Partner Platform. Wishing you all a very wonderful day, and we will see you on the next episode of the Health and Wealth Podcast Show. Hey, Enrichers. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Health and Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Carter Wilcoxon. And I'm your host, Tim James. And by God, we are committed to helping you guys have fat wallets, flat bellies. So tune in again for another episode and make sure to like, share, and drink a lot of water. Or beer. You have just listened to the Health and Wealth Podcast with Carter and Tim.